women would sew their most prized possessions on this stove. So this is why down the panel you see gold and you see like maybe like some jewelry and you see something uh, embroidered into the, the, the cloth. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Live podcast. Here we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host Jana Komornitska and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Are you ready for another episode of the Balladance Life podcast? <laughs> Today we have beautiful Hadija as our guest, one of the most sought-after instructors, performers and choreographers of Middle Eastern dance and folklore. Her upbringing in artistic family prompted her to pursue studies in music and movement in various Arabic dance styles and beyond. She has been featured in Balladance Magazine and Balladance TV California, Al Sehad TV Cairo, Univision Colorado and Denver Post Colorado, as well as TV appearances with HBO and more. Her unique and energetic style in combination with great athleticism and grace is deeply rooted in tradition and it has made her amazing signature style popular worldwide. Hadija currently resides in Denver, Colorado and she is a popular performer locally in many five-star establishments such as Madame Faz Moroccan restaurant, Phoenician Kaboob Lebanese restaurant, Sahara's Lenny's Clock Tower, and many others. She is specializing in both rock sharky and Middle Eastern folklore. And of course, in today's interview, we couldn't not touch the topic of folklore of specific Gulf region and Saudi Arabia. And a lot of cool information you will find, especially if you are already interested in specifically collegiate dance, but if not yet, I bet after this conversation you want to take much closer look to this uh, dance style. But with a wide range of activities that uh, Hadija is uh, uh, doing and actively participating at, of course, we didn't stop only on talking about dance, but also talked about some issues currently happening worldwide and specifically in the dance community, including the topic of Islamophobia that is not often talked about inside a ballet dance community. I'm absolutely sure this conversation will be very inspiring and full of new information and thoughts for you. So let's dive in and don't forget afterwards to let us know what you think, what was your main takeaways, uh, and what possible you will want to know more and dig even deeper. So let's dive in, but before that, I just want to do a quick reminder. Together we move live. Jelena is partnering with dance studios and dance sponsors around the world to present series of workshops via Zoom. Tickets are available for those who can give more and support, as well as those who are financially affected by the pandemic. 
All proceeds go to benefit dance studios and event sponsors so that we may once again dance physically together once it is safe. You can register for these workshops via jelina.eventbrite.com. I will include link in the show notes. Hello, dear Harija. Uh, welcome to the podcast. And I'm uh, so happy and excited about our conversation. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me. This is, wow, I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure to, to feature you. I would love right away to start uh, because you have an interest in like path in general and I know you are coming from artistic family. Yes. So how did dance enter your life um, in general and also more like in a professional uh, way uh, that you start considering it more than just something like a uh, uh, day-to-day, th- like, I mean, dance art in general, like uh, not just a part of daily life, but like more treating it as a professional activity for yourself. Absolutely. Um, dance uh, came to me as, you know, I did come from a musical family. Um, I had aunts uh, that were singers. I had uh, not famous, but um, you know, my father, he played the saxophone, my mom, she liked the drums and, you know, and so I've always just been so inspired by dance and not only just like, um, you know, like our cultural dances, but just like dance in general. Um, I just love, um, movement and, and, uh, it just really just inspired me growing up. Um, I would say professionally, uh, I didn't plan to be professional at all. Like, uh, I didn't think that people would like my dancing. I just said, okay, you know, I just maybe take for activity, uh, maybe for exercise. Um, I've always been in the sports. Um, you know, my father was a professional boxer um, in his young uh, life. And he taught us, you know, uh, like American boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, you know, and all of these things and movements. So I've always been into sport. I like uh, running um, and to do uh, those kind of sport. And I've always think, wow, you know, I would love to dance, you know, I would love to dance. And, um, you know, I, growing up just watching uh, the old black and white movies, Egyptian movies, before things um, became banned in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is uh, from, Je- I'm originally from Jeddah. And uh, things before, you know, television got uh, very religious. Um, I used to watch the old Lebanese movies and the old um, Egyptian movies. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is so beautiful. And I always tell myself, you know, one day if I'm going to take a class, you know, I'm just going to take a class just to for movement exercise. And it wasn't until I came to college. Um, I came to college here in Denver, Colorado. Um, first, my family um, go to Florida. And I live in Florida for a little bit. Part of my family, they still living uh, in Florida. Uh, but I decided to come to Colorado for college. I for some reason, I have this fascination that I back then I wanted to see snow. And so I'm like, oh, I wanted to see the snow. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, what am I thinking? I don't like this way. I don't want to be in the snow. But, you know, uh, I thank God for all things. Uh, I, when I came to uh, Colorado, 
is when I discovered uh, people were teaching here. And I was like, wow, there's American teachers, you know, teaching ballet dancing. And so I was like, okay, I'll just take it for, you know, uh, exercise. And so uh, I had a good friend here and she says, you know, Khadija, you know, you should really do, you know, some dances from uh, back home. And I said, nobody interested in that you know nobody's interested in watching the girl's hair and you know watching the swaying uh, you know back and forth nobody is interested in this everybody they like the shimmy they like the hips they want to see you know you know very upbeat fun and back then I didn't think oh you know those kind of dances nobody would like to see so how things you know uh, really uh, came uh, together for me was you know I just kept practicing, practicing, taking classes from mini dancers and just, like I said, for exercise activity. And um, so one day my friend was like, yes, you are going to do some Khaliji dancing. And I said, no, 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 no. I no, I can't do this. You know, nobody's interested in the big cloth, you know, your clothes we wear and nobody, they're interested in that. So one day, I, you know, a very influential teacher here in Denver, she wanted to do a Khaliji piece with me uh, in a festival in downtown Denver. And I said, okay, you know, if you want to do something, uh, no problem. Um, so uh, we do a piece together and people were like, wow, I never see anything like this. Can you tell me more? And I said, okay, you know, no problem. So then as more time uh, keep going, uh, more people became more interested in like the dances of the Gulf, uh, more Haliji dancing. And I said, wow, you know, I never thought people would be interested because every time you see uh, dancing uh, from, you know, North Africa or going into the Middle East and the Gulf and, you know, people, they just want to see the belly dancers. They don't want to see, um, you know, just steps here and there and, you know, as simple. Sometimes uh, with the belly dancing, uh, the dancers, you know, they give the hips and they give big expression and the costuming is just so and so I was thinking oh this is not going to go over well <laughs> here in America I'm thinking because uh, people they don't uh, never seen this way and so more and more and more I start to do the dancing and people were like wow I never seen anything like that I really like that style uh, can you teach more? Can you uh, give more information about uh, where this comes from and how you do this? And I really like it. And I didn't think, uh, you know, I really didn't think people would like. And so so how things became professional is, um, you know, the more I kept uh, dancing in the venues, not only did I do the Haliji dances, but I also did a lot of other folklore. Um, I did other folklore. Um, I did a lot of North African folklore and I tried to, uh, do, uh, dances that people rarely see and study about the dances that people rarely see. I also, uh, do all the way to some Central Asian dances, mostly, uh, like, uh, Persian dancing. And I've studied this as well, but, um, I used to uh, do this very, uh, widely in the community. Um, but when I started doing more folklore dances, people are like, wow, I never seen anything like this. Uh, can you teach? Can you do something? And people started asking about me and I was like, wow, you know, I just want to do this for knowledge. And I've always been interested in, uh, 
in, in ethnology of the dances and especially dances of uh, African cultures, um, dances that come uh, specifically uh, from African culture because um, my family is uh, African uh, in uh, ancestry and in uh, nationality uh, also. So uh, it, was, it was just something that I just never expected people to just be like, oh my God, this is amazing. So, you know, uh, people, they started asking and I said, okay, no problem. I, I can, you know, uh, make some routine for you. I can, uh, you know, do something. And then people, they kept asking, asking, asking. And I'm just like, wow, I didn't expect this at all. So this is the basis, uh, basically, of uh, how I um, came into my community and uh, how I came to the, the, the dancing Oh my God, I'm dying. There are so many questions on my mind right now to, to ask. Um, it's so interesting. Like um, you mentioned that you start trying to showcase dance styles that are not very popular or known among uh, dancers and people. And I was, even before you start saying this, I was like, I really want to ask you, when we think about the uh, area of Gulf or like specifically even Saudi Arabia, Right away for ballet dancers, association, or oh, Khalij dance. Mm-mm. But I mm-hmm. bet it's the only one thing that exists there. <laughs> well, Iana, let me tell you something. Uh, dancers, they only see the hair. They only see the hair. They call it, they used to call it the hair dancing. And many da- cultures, they have the, the hair, like the Shahat dancers of Morocco, they do the hair. Uh, there's some uh, other. There's many other types of dancing uh, that will actively involve hair tosses, and so when you know the dancers, they see the khaliji top, which we call this top nashal. Um, they see this uh, clothing and they're like, wow, you know, you can just stand there, move your hair. And I'm like, no, there are so many different genres of 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 the dancing um it's just like saying you know uh, raksa sharki uh, is a mix of things but it's just like saying uh belady is the only way you know uh, for egyptian dancers it's like saying belady is the only way no in saudi arabia and throughout the gulf of course there's one uh style uh, everybody they know it's, you know, basic social uh, steps, uh, you know, from the hair and the movement and just being uh, social. Uh, but there are so many, um, I don't want to use the word tribal because the American culture has ruined this word for me. For tribal, I call uh, ethnic groups. There's many ethnic groups uh, in the Gulf that will identify themselves by the way they're dancing. And so you can go from the west, the north, the south, central, um, east. Uh, every region has their own specific style. You can go from city to city, uh, ev- you know, everywhere in the states, in the peninsulas of the Gulf. Everybody have their signature uh, way of dance. And all the, the dancers mostly know is the hair tossing. But there's so much more to that than just the hair and the tob nashal is so much so much more. Can you give a couple examples to inspire dancers, like even like curiosity? I don't know if they have specific names, uh, like Absolutely. for each dance styles or like the I don't know meaning or whichever your favorite ones. Maybe a couple at least. <laughs> wow. I uh, I have so many uh, favorites. Um, uh, for me, it's uh, uh, of course uh, you know when we uh, talk about uh, the Khaliji uh, dancing. 
Um, you know, uh, you know, even down to the Yemen, uh, Yemen, like they have their own specific style, like Sharh Adani, uh, Sharh uh, Khaliji. Um, and Sharh in Arabic literally means hair. Um, and so there are so many ways that you can dance to different rhythms. Uh, most common rhythm you hear is Adani. And this is the rhythm that uh, belly dancers uh, think they hear in maybe like an Egyptian song. Uh, but there's so many. My favorite style of dance is called Raya Bisha. Um, Raya Bisha is actually from a town um, in uh, a, 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 a very uh, uh, localized area in Saudi Arabia where uh, many of the uh, black Africans have uh, come and in, uh, in, inhabited the area. The music is very heavily uh, percussion. Uh, there's hardly any... Um, uh, melody uh, instruments, um, but it's lots of drums. And that's one of my favorite. Another one of my favorite is called Sot. Sot is um, what many people will identify as a very African dancing, um, but it's lots of syncopated clapping, lots of drumming. And on a particular um, note in the music, there is dropping to the floor and bouncing, um, for lack of better words, but it's a very specific uh, style uh, that's there. I mean, there's there's a uh, hobeiti, there's dosari, there's so many. There's samri, there's ardha, which is our national men's dance. There's so many different styles um, that. Uh, people uh, don't realize that there is folklore within our folklore um, that is uh, not popular. Uh, most of these dances have been danced by men, uh, but women, um, we dance also, but it's rarely seen. You don't see it. And, um, but we do have our freedoms to dance, uh, whether if it's for a wedding or our national day, or is, you know, we, we, women, we have our way, but a lot of times um, for me and my personal style, I will take uh, the men's style and just kind of intertwine it into the women's style so people can have a taste of what the men's style is like and the women's style is like, because I feel I can mix both of the energy together and uh, bring something for the people to see. I think uh, this is something that is uh, not done in the in the you know Khaliji community. Is something that's not done ever, and I think it's very important if people want to get to know the Gulf uh, and get to know Saudi Arabian people and uh, get to know uh, Khaliji people in general is to get to know their dances. Um, and, and, and just, uh, for any, any culture, uh, in my uh, belief is to get to know, um, the dances, you get to know the music and you can get to know the people, uh, this way. And I think this is for me, this is a way that I have broken down, uh, stereotypes and barriers from this way. Mm. But well, so many times. <laughs> even right now for many listeners, I'm sure they heard many new terms, <laughs> That at least trying to to research or dig, but there are many misconceptions even about Halichi dance. That oh, it has to be a very specific uh, way to be done, and even the meaning of dance. Uh, but in terms of like the way, like I know that um, there is this misconception. Like even you mentioned, like uh, already uh, about the hair that it's a dance of hair. But Halichi can be performed even with covered hair. 
That's correct. That's correct. Uh, because many dancers, they take classes with me. Um, and if I go to like festival or I go somebody, they invite me in and I'm uh, teaching uh, some. And I always give a warning to my dancers. I'm like, I always give lecture. I always give lecture and I always give explanation because uh, the movement, you have to know uh, what you're doing before you execute the movement, before you uh, give momentum to the movement. Uh, so people, they say, oh, you know, Khadija, she's talking too much or, you know, she, um, I remember I performed at, um, I think it was the last year of the Billy Dance, uh, Las Vegas Billy Dance uh, convention in Las Vegas. And I was I only had maybe one hour and a half. And wow, this is whew, this is like five minutes to explain Haliji in one nutshell. Um, and I was thankful for the opportunity. I'm still thankful for the opportunity. But um, I had uh, something uh, to come back in my feedback that's saying, you know, Khadija was... Uh, coveting information and I say well no I don't uh, covet the information because I believe uh, nobody can dance like me and I can never dance like uh, another person so I like to give as much historical content and as much history and as much uh, information about culture as possible because if you do not understand the culture you do not understand why people dancing this way and you don't understand why we do what we do if you do not understand uh, our our way and our culture so when you know i teach i always give disclaimer and i said i have to teach you the culture i have to teach you the music because our music is so specific and our music is not um always sung in arabic also our music is also sung in African language, like Oromo or Swahili. So um, when people, they think all of the Gulf, uh, they singing all in, in, in Gulf uh, style uh, Arabic, and it's not true. Because uh, many of us are from African uh, descent, uh, like my lineage is from Kenya. Um, and so a lot of the music is going to be sung in some uh, uh, old, especially the old style of music is often sung in Swahili dialect, uh, sometimes Oromo and, and other, um, sometimes Amharic, uh, which is coming from uh, Ethiopia and, and uh, this area. And so many Ethiopians have come to have been brought in. Uh, I don't like to refer to my African people as slaves, but as workers when we were brought in to uh, be workers in the kingdom we brought our language we brought our culture we brought everything with us so um when people they hear you know Khaliji music they just thinking it's all in arabic so they'll say oh Khadija, can you translate this mm, i don't think my oromo i don't speak oromo uh, very well my swahili is this much but um you know there's so many um variations of the music and uh, and getting to know the music and getting to know the styles of the music and this is so important and I try to teach dancers this way but everybody they interested in movement they just want to know the movement without the cultural context and if you're gonna study with me I cannot do this way because you have to know the cultural context behind what you are doing this is so important this is so important and this is this is how we prevent uh, dancers from dancing to like the Saudi national anthem, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, some dancers, they, they make a mistake and I understand. But if you don't understand the cultural context behind it, then the movement is uh, means nothing. Hmm. What do you find is the um, 
most unfortunate misunderstanding of this dance. Of course, we will not be able to cover your entire lecture. That's not the purpose of this interview. But if you like, if there is anything that you wish really like dancers finally figure it out and stop doing this, I don't know, mistake to call or misinterpretation, like maybe something like practical that you see appearing again and again and again. Wow, this is a very powerful question, Yana, and I really appreciate you asking me this. And uh, I first and foremost want to say that I don't want to come across as the Khaliji police. Um, I respect all forms of movement. I respect all uh, dancing, but I don't uh, respect the disrespect for the culture. Um, I The thing is the most uh, misconception about Khaliji dancing is is, uh, you know, mm, I would say mostly dancers thinking it's all about the hair. And I have to, I always let my dancers know your hair is maybe 20 to 30% of your dancing. I want dancers to focus on the footwork. I want dancers to focus on the mannerisms. I want dancers to focus on connecting with the music and connecting uh, with their, uh, they can wear abaya, they can wear uh, kaftan, they can wear tob nashal. Um, we have new style called farasha style. Farasha in Arabic means uh, butterfly. So we have all these different beautiful costumes. Show your costume. You know, maybe do some footwork. Add some spins and turns. Add something, um, you know, maybe some shoulders. Don't always go on stage and you show your hair the whole time and you do nothing. You know, Haliji, there's so much more to Haliji dancing than just our hair. We have so many beautiful steps and we have so many beautiful um, ways to move our arms and accents in our shoulders. Granted, we don't uh, showcase a lot of hips, of course, um, but there's so many other techniques uh, you can do in your dancing uh, to make it um, very nice. And it's just not about the hair. The hair is exciting. Leave this for exciting part of the song. You know, when the music pick up, leave that for excitement. But everything else, you know, maybe get with your friends, do some footwork and, 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 and you know, move around your, your space, move around your area. And uh, I think, uh, you know, once dancers, they dive deeper into learning more about uh, Khaliji dancing, they will see, wow, you know, there's more definitely than just the hair. But I would say another miss. There's so many uh, uh, misconceptions for sure that you know that you know. Granted, many of these dances are done in private. You don't really see uh, them uh, a lot. But there's a lot of misconception that women do not dance. Yes, we dance. We dance. We may not be very public about our dancing, but we dance and we love it. And even women that are very um, religious. You know, um, even maybe at home, you know, us ladies, we're having uh, some some chai, having some uh, kawa, we're having some coffee, and we're sitting and just talking about everyday life. Maybe somebody, they play music, and we'll get up and dance together, you know, and that kind of uh, community is, is amazing uh, uh, to be in this uh, kind of lifestyle. But uh, the, the third, uh, big, big misconception is that the women, no, they do not dance, they don't dance. Maybe if they're really, 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 really religious, okay, no problem. They, they Maybe they're not dancing, but dance is a huge part of the Gulf. Dance is huge in Saudi Arabia, and people, it just makes us so happy, but we do dance. As women, we do dance. Mm. Absolutely. 
Oh, again, there are so many questions on my mind right now. <laughs> Which direction to go? But before, um, I've, I kind of want also to clarify because there was one more thing that you touched that I think there is many misconceptions and even myself, I quote like, ah, I'm right now, I have no idea. Because you mentioned that different outfits and names like Abaya, Toba, etc. So mm-hmm. can you clarify a little bit what is what? Because I even heard from some of the teachers uh, uh, different ones that, for instance, abaya. It's wrong to say that you're da- dancing kaliji in abaya. Abaya is like the piece of like everyday clothing that women can use. Toba, it's like a dressed outfit. And there was the term that they used. Uh, I may mispronounce, but something like mustang haligi. Or oh, that's a specifically dance costume for haligi. Hali- yeah. So can you clarify a little bit? Like, is there any like specific? Uh, names or, or or specific even designs for dresses that if you are talking mm, about like Haliji like as a part of the culture but also Haliji as a presentation on stage ah that's a very good question so um, there's many misconceptions teachers they saying um, that you cannot dance in abaya uh, when people think abaya they think also with the hijab uh, no, you don't want to dance in hijab. This is not uh, okay. Um, again, I don't want to sound like Khaliji police, but uh, Islamically, I have to respect my uh, religion. Um, I have to respect Islam. And uh, we do not dance in hijab uh, or the hair covering. But abaya is just a black, uh, long sleeve, black uh, uh, dress you can dance in. Um you and also for I mean it depends on what style you're trying to do, because uh, some uh, cultures uh, in uh, or some area or some uh, ethnic groups in in the Arabian Gulf they women they wear pants sometimes so uh, it depends on the style that 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 you want to perform but the most common uh, way. I'm going to explain because uh, this is most uh, common. Um, but uh, the Tob Nashal that you always see uh, with the big arm, uh, the uh, big arms and the panel down the middle. Um, this is um, something that is uh, has always been in Khaliji culture. Wow, since uh, Bedouin uh, people, since uh, the early uh, people of the, the kingdom. Um, so this uh, dress is uh, very significant in the Gulf. Um, uh, even though every state in the Gulf have their own uh, style of dressing. Uh, but this way, you can guarantee that this way, mm, this Tob uh, Nashal, uh, women, they wear this for the dancing, uh, whether if it's a social or, you know, or for the stage. If, if you want to, uh, for professional dancers here, especially in America, uh, Europe, uh, anywhere, South America, wherever you may be, Asia, uh, you can wear this Tob Nashal and people, they know what you're doing. Um, they know the style because they're like, ah, this is uh, typical Khaliji Tob, typical Khaliji Tob. And it's, it's okay for this way. But what is not okay for this is I see the dancers covering the bedla, the belly dance costume, the bedla two-piece. With this, they're using it for cover-up. Uh, they're using this um, for uh, something that is not intended to be. Uh, that's like saying, okay, I'm going to take Nubian dress and I'm going to wear Nubian dress as cover-up. Uh, and that's it. But we all know, uh, coming from Egyptian dancing, that Nubian uh, dress is its own dress. So uh, the Haliji Tob um, is its own costume. 
It is not to be used for cover-up. It is not to be used for a prop because a little bit of cultural context behind this uh, dress is that this dress uh, not only is identification for Haliji uh, people, and also let me make clear that in the south of Iraq, in Basra area, they will wear the same uh, style of costuming. Uh, just the musicality and the, the dance uh, performance is different. So um, that is a different thing, but the similarities are definitely there. Um, but the history of this Tob Nashal is about life-saving um, because when there were wars and there, you know, people, uh, they come to make uh, problems with other ethnic groups uh, in the area a uh, long time ago, um, women would sew their most prized possessions on this stove. So this is why down the panel you see gold and you see like maybe like some jewelry and you see something uh, embroidered into the, the, the cloth. Um, because if somebody, they come and they make uh, war or they try to make problems, women, they have to pick up fast and they have to leave. So all of their prized possessions is sewn onto this garment. So when people, they, I will never forget, and I always uh, have to tell this story, but I will tell this story with, um, with respect uh, to the dancers. Um, and the same at the belly dance convention in 2009 in Las Vegas. There were dancers. Uh, they came to the stage. They danced to Amer Diab. Everybody know Amer Diab is Egyptian uh, singer. They did some type of Haliji-esque uh, dancing uh, to this song. I said, okay. Um, I had a really good uh, belly dance friend um, that was preparing uh, backstage to come out and she sent me a text message and she said, oh, Khadija, I have to tell you, you have to brace yourself. What's about to come out? I just want you to know I love you, but I think you're going to see something very disrespectful. And I said, OK, well, um, we're going to see. I'm just here to enjoy my time and uh, we're going to see. And so these dancers, they're dancing to Amar Diab. They cover them their bedla two-piece set with a very see-through, maybe homemade style of of tob nashal, uh, but it was still in representation of that of the dancing of Fiji dance. So they take it because you know the arms are very long, and you can even pull it around your head. So the girls they pull it around their head, they put their arms up above their head, and they shimmy down, and the tob nashal just falls to the ground. The girls, they stepping on it and then they pick it up, they whip it around and they walk off stage, walking very sassy, but dragging the cloth behind them. And there were a few of um, very well-known um, dancers in the audience. They knew where I was sitting. Everybody, they turn and they look at me. I just uh, keep a straight face. And I just thinking, Ya Allah, I cannot believe they disrespect this way. And so if maybe these girls, they don't know what this garment means. They don't know maybe this is his own costuming. And maybe they don't know what uh, women in the Gulf has had to go through in order to wear this garment. So I always tell this story about even it may not be a real uh, tob nashal. It may not be a real tob from the Gulf. But if you're representing it, Please respect it as what it is, because uh, women have lost their lives to be able to wear this. Women have been, um, you know, moved from their homes and their children moved from their homes because they have to put their most prized possessions and sew it on this garment to be able to take what uh, means the most to them and leave. 
So when dancers, they're wearing this, please respect uh, the garment. Please respect it. And I have a hard time even calling it costume because uh, it's a way of life. Um, it's not just a costume. It's not just a garment. And that's just not a cover-up for a belly dance costume, which uh, dancers, they shouldn't uh, do this way. They should get a nice cover-up that is not a representation of uh, like the Khaliji dancing, um, but they should choose uh, something else, but just to respect it, um, because many, um, many women have lost their life. And there's many um, museums across the world that still have the old Bedouin uh, uh, Nashal in the museum. You can see um, some of these uh, still have the jewelries uh, sewn onto the costume. Some may have dirt stains and like uh, uh, like uh, holes from fire on it because you can see how the struggle is in this costume. So I don't want to make things seem very sad and, and, and dark, but I just want to make sure the dancers, they know uh, the history behind the, the, this, this garment and, and to respect it for what it is for the Tobe Nashal. And there's many new styles that are out that's very upbeat and fashionable, um, especially in the younger uh, women's uh, community. Um, you know, they don't have the long arms uh, taper uh, here at the wrist. Um, we call this Farasha style because uh, like butterfly, it looks kind of like butterfly. Um, but under your 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 thobe, um, regardless if it is uh, like the nashal uh, with the big arms or the farasha style or even the abaya style, you still want to put something under so you don't show any, you know, unnecessary skin. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you're not showing your legs uh, too much. Uh, you're not showing your um, your arms uh, too much. So usually uh, this, uh, this garment comes in maybe like two pieces. And traditionally women, they wear skirts underneath. I am extra careful because I also wear uh, maybe tights or pants underneath and I wear the skirt. And then uh, I wear the panel that goes underneath and also the garment that goes on top. So there's many layers to the, the garment than what uh, dancers think. Mm, I'm really happy I actually decided to ask and dig a little bit on this topic because I had no idea about this history of uh, appearing this kind of like outfit and it was like then you just look like oh it's a pretty decoration like uh, uh, you don't associate any anything like that with like uh, uh, history or like the um, historical and cultural background specifically like oh it just looks pretty it's, it's cool but uh, thank you for sharing absolutely yes and it's it's just a part of the culture that is missing um this way is missing from uh, many um you know of the khaliji teaching and i just want uh, dancers to know that this uh, garment is not to be uh, something that is like a toy or to be something to be disrespected definitely you mentioned already that, uh, and we talked a lot, that dancing is a big part of daily life in the uh, mm. uh, Gulf region in Saudi Arabia, uh, like specifically we, we talked, but I'm really curious, what part and what place does um, belly dance has in uh, 
or raksharki or like whichever like you term uh, use uh, for this dance style but what role uh, does it does it have even any role like in daily life and culture of people is it more focused more like local folkloric dances because we kind of like just in general have like general like oh belly dance is like the whole like region but what is really happening uh, like if you're talking about Saudi Arabia with approach mm-hmm. to belly dance and like do people do like what we call raksharki or is it more like based on their local dance culture Ah, uh, this is a great question. Well, first and foremost, uh, we know uh, the kingdom, uh, the kingdom KSA, uh, kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is a very uh, strict uh, place, um, and uh, belly dancing uh, is not uh, publicly, um, of course, not uh, something that is widely advertised. Maybe in your home, uh, you know, uh, you can do this, but not outside. Maybe in other states, like the, in Emirates, I know many dancers, they go there and they go there for the contracts and they go there for the belly dancing and, you know, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi maybe. And, uh, you know, in that part of the Gulf, yes, but specifically speaking in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, this is not, uh, this is not uh, common. You don't uh, go to hotel and see belly dancers. This is not uh, the, no, you will get arrested. Um, this is, um, you know, if women, they want to maybe make uh, some party with their friends, they can do it at home. Um, but, and especially there's still taboo uh, for women uh, dancing, even among women, um, because they want to be shy. Um, you know, it's okay to, they love, everybody love the belly dancing. It's like a double-edged sword, Iana, it really is. Because everybody, they love the belly dancing and they love this uh, style, and they love um, the Egyptian music, they love the Lebanese music, they love this, um, but uh, there's something, uh, I'm going to try to explain the best I can, but um, it's like, it's okay to maybe dance in behind closed doors uh, with your female uh, family, the girls, it's okay to dance with them, but when you're dancing, you still have to maintain a level of modesty back home. You still have to maintain a level of shyness. And and when the girl, they pull you up to dance, and you're like, no, no, I don't want to dance. You know, I'm so shy. And uh, even though you're dying to dance to the music because, oh, my gosh, you know, the music is so good. And you just want to get up and you want to dance. And uh, and so, you know, sometimes people, they look at you and they may be judging you uh, based on your dancing. And they say, okay, well, she can dance, but I don't want it to be my sister. She can dance. I don't want it to be my cousin. She can dance. I don't want it to be my mother. Like, you can dance, but I don't want it to be my family because I don't want to bring shame to my family name. You know, so it's, it's very... Uh, it's a very double-edged sword because um, we love so much. We love this dance so much, but we uh, because it's of course not Islamic and it's uh, not. Uh, pro- uh, I don't. I don't want to say it's not proper, but uh, because it's not uh, religious and it's uh, can be considered to be unmodest. Uh, there is some taboo from that so there is some shying away but we love it yeah that's <laughs> another kind of like uh uh i don't know if to say misconception but gen- like definitely like a point of surprise for um 
I would say general audience who is not uh, have any connection to uh, Arabic or North African like culture in general, and even among ballet dancers, like Western ballet dancers, is like that question like how in region that um, has mostly like Islam Islamic like region with a very strong uh, religion. How can it happen that still like ballad when we think about ballad dance, the center of ballad dance, it's still in those countries, like we think about Egypt, Lebanon, Turkey, or in general, the whole region. And how those two things can like coexist? <laughs> I see what you're saying. And to kind of tie this into the last question that I forget to answer, I apologize. Um, like everybody has their local dance. Um, I don't like to say this was like a, um, a tribal dance, but I call it uh, within the ethnic groups. This is like a way of identification. So this is a way of uh, showing off, a way of showing strength, a way of showing pride of your city, uh, your lineage, where you come from. So this is why every region, they have their own uh, signature style. They have their own way. And it's all uh, basically a local, uh, whatever localized dance from this area. So, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if you're from the Hijaz and you're doing uh, dances from Hobar, you know, um, they are significantly different. Um, but I know somebody from Hobar that's dancing because this is, we know, oh, okay, this is their signature way of dancing and people in the Hijaz, they're dancing a certain way. And we're like, okay, these people, the Hijazi, I understand. You know, um, so it's it's kind of like a way of identification. It's mm. a way of not necessarily, uh, like I said, maybe there are some dances that were actually used for war um, and actually used to prepare for uh, fighting and prepare for war. But it's more now uh, a signature of strength. It's more of a signature of of being identified as, okay, I am from uh, this area. This is, you know, our family name. This is how we're dancing. This is our dancing from our lineage. So it's um, very localized. But um, men, of course, uh, will mostly showcase these dances. Um, men uh, dancing in, in public is, is common. Um, but you just have to make sure that, you know, there's not a lot of cameras. There's not a lot of uh, like like that, like cameras and things that are bringing attention because the police is very uh, cautious about these kind of things in the kingdom. So but if there's maybe big festival, maybe somebody they have a big wedding, uh, maybe somebody they having a baby, you know, and uh, even sometimes when they're having baby, they'll just have like small party in the house. But sometimes outdoor, like they will have a whole outdoor event um, just kind of uh, based on um, where location and where they are. But um, but but men, they easily get away with this. Like um, women have known to dance. Uh, I won't say side by side with the men, but they will form their own circle or they will form their own um, area uh, many, many feet uh, far away from the men to showcase their dancing also. So there is a way to do it, but just uh, be careful. Mm. <laughs> just be careful. 
And coming mm-hmm. back uh, specifically, like to to your story, how was that for you to enter like a ballet dance uh, world and having this passion and interest in ballet dance, but at the same time possibly like experiencing some resistance, like uh, from um, like cultural background or like from any like oh. you know like those other things that may surround your interest and passion to this uh, dance form? Absolutely. Um, I've, like I said, I've always been uh, very active and I've always been uh, very interested in, in dances, even if it was not from my own culture. But for me, I got uh, tied to uh, belly dance because I love the the cultural context behind it. I absolutely love the, um, the, the feeling, uh, that it, that it brings. Um, it is so joyous. Um, and, uh, I felt like, uh, dance, uh, on another hand has really saved my life and dance has really, um, brought, brought me today who I am. Um, it's really helped me to discover, things about myself and my family lineage and to do more exploring um, about where I come from. Um, and it's, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here because this is, this is uh, a little bit emotional for me uh, a little bit because I, um, when I was brought to belly dancing, I just thought, you know, oh yeah, you know, the Egyptian style and I love the hips and I love the Raksa Sharki and I, I love this way. But I knew there was something uh, deeper to the dancing itself. I knew that, you know, there is something more I am looking for in these dances. And that's why I ventured into studying uh, more folkloric uh, styles, especially folkloric styles uh, dealing with African uh, culture. Because for me, uh, being of of African descent, uh, we don't have many dances to identify from anymore because many of our culture, many of our histories have been wiped out. Uh, there's no more books. There's no more historians. All of our elders have died that was able to preserve these things for us. And everything seems very, um, very uh, modernized. It seems like it has no uh, African foundations into these dances. And I'm like, no way, khalas. this is not this because these movements are so... Um, in, in it resembles so much of, of, you know, native African people, regardless of what ethnic group that they come from. I'm like, these movements are so earthy. These movements are so um, just strong and inspiring. I need to know more. I need to know more uh, where these, where specifically these dances are coming from, what stories are being told here, and how do I bring these stories back? So, I love as much as I love Raksa Sharki and I love the style, but the folklore is where my heart is uh, mostly. Um, and for me, I came uh, to the conclusion of this dancing is that this was a mode of survival for me. I don't dance because I want to dance. I dance because I have to. I have to, Yana, I have to. 
because so many things have been lost um, in preservation of African culture in these dances that we cannot find this way anymore. We cannot find, I, for my studies and my, um, I, I'm constantly studying all the time and I'm constantly researching in my research, you know, um, they won't exactly say that, okay, these dances are from this part of Africa or these dances come from this part. And it's like, you know, I found some texts to be uh, pretty incorrect. I've really had to go and dive really deep into uh, the, the um, academia part of these dances because a lot of it has been, uh, for lack of better words, whitewashed. And I hate to use this term, it's not to be uh, disrespectful or derogatory, but a lot of these um, uh, textbooks have completely erased our history and completely erased us. And, but the new modern dances that you see comes from the original foundations of these dances. So I said to myself, I have got to find these foundations. I have got to bring them back out to the forefront. I have got to bring them back to the belly dance community. I have got to bring them to the people that respecting the dances. And I need to share this with our upcoming generations. So they have stories to tell and they have, um, uh, you know, can be able to identify and show their their uh, their way also because many of these dances have been um, not uh, clearly saying that the foundations are from African culture and many of them are. And so that is another thing that really um, inspired me to keep going uh, with the folklore and to keep going. Um, and even if it's folklore outside of African culture, there's always something to relate to. Um, there's always something um, that is in relation that has uh, very similarities. And I think this is so important as dancers because we are so divided today. We're so divided. Oh, this person is gay. This person is black. This person is white. Her body is maybe large. Her body is too skinny. We have so many uh, things in our mind and in our hearts that we divide each other. And if we focus on these similarities, wow, it's amazing how uh, this dance and dance community could really come together. And so by me studying um, the, the African foundations and me uh, studying uh, other um, uh, folklore outside of the African traditions, it's really helped me to bring other communities together because we have so many similarities, so many similarities, if we can look past our differences. Hmm. Yeah, and definitely art and specifically dance and music, it's one thing that it's it's not for no reason is associated with the term like international language, because it mm. can really unite and uh, uh, just like bring together without without need in any extra words, <laughs> just create Absolutely. this uh, understanding boundaries. I also know like that uh, you are uh, passionate about research on different topics. And one of the topics also that it's not only your research, but also like part of your activist um, activities is the topic of Islamophobia. And Absolutely. I know that uh, just recently, like uh, you, um, it was released uh, uh, 
very like insightful lecture from uh, Manat uh, Dance Gigs, and it's now released yeah. for free. And I encourage everyone just to go and uh, like listen to it. Um, Thank you. So, not repeating the content or content of that lecture, but I just want to. I kind of cannot skip this topic because I know for you it's also like an important important part of your like uh, activities and things that you are trying to spread awareness. But um, if to at least like touch based or like to um to touch this topic like can you define uh what uh you mean by this term for someone for some dancers who may not even think like what is that like islamophobia Absolutely. and how it specifically uh either influences or manifests in the dance world i know it's a huge topic but i would like today to bring a little bit attention like how do you find okay. that it influences and happens like specifically uh exists in the belly dance community in the dance world wow um i love when i get the opportunity to uh answer this question because this is a fully loaded question and i'll try my best to uh stay in the topic but anybody that has watched the video um, this is real, uh, real tears, real rawness, um, and I appreciate anyone that's taking the time to listen to my words. Uh, you know, in that video, I have to apologize. I was very nervous. I was not the best uh, speaker, but I could only speak from my experiences. But Islamophobia is real. Um, Islamophobia, um, Islam of, uh, you know, uh, basically the study of, uh, is basically uh, the religion of, of Muslim and of people, Muslim people. Um, and Islam literally, uh, Al-Islam in Arabic literally means peace. Um, it literally means peace. And phobia is be afraid of something, uh, to make fear of something. Um, and Islamophobia is real, especially, um, you know, uh, the collapsing of the American government right now. Our president uh, has really uh, made clear about uh, some interpretations of how he sees uh, Muslim people and people that are not, um, you know, uh, uh, of, of, you know, being uh, white skin here in America uh, has really made us on, put us on in the spotlight right now. And Islamophobia, especially in the belly dance community, you would think uh, dancers, if they are profiting off of uh, a culture that's not theirs, and they are actively studying, and some are even teaching classes. But there has been uh, dancers to come out in the community that actively are not very fond of Muslim people, um, knowing that Islam uh, is prominent in the Middle East. But I have to make a cultural correction and say the majority of the world's Muslims is in Indonesia. Um, most Indonesians are, are Muslim. Uh, that's the, the biggest Muslim country in the entire world. But first and foremost, before I go on, I am not a sheikh. I am not an imam, but I love my religion. And um, if there's something I don't know, I refer to uh, my religious uh, leaders. Um, but I don't want to make myself look as if I am the best example. I try to be, Islam teaches me to be a good human being, and I try to be that. But moving forward, um, uh, Islamophobia shows up in various places. Um, surprisingly, in the belly dance community also, uh, but it's just everyday life. Um, you know, uh, people 
will have many microaggressions uh, uh, with uh, people of Islamic faith and they because they do not understand us. And Islam is one of the three, uh, one of the, out of the three uh, Abrahamic faiths, uh, out of Judaism and Christianity, and then there is Islam. So we have many similarities. We're, our language is just in Arabic, and our traditions may be just a little bit different. Um, I think if people really stop and talk to each other and and really try to educate themselves about what Islam is about. Before my mother uh, passed away, uh, God rest her soul, she always used to tell me, Khadija, make sure you get to know your religion before you get to know its followers. And I say, you know, Mama, you, you are right. Because everybody have some type of interpretation of what they think uh, a religious person should be or what they think this person is. Um, and there's many, I think after 9-11 happened, uh, when uh, he, I was living in America at the time and when President Bush was president, you know, there's many images on TV about men with beards and turbans and, you know, people making fun of people that look like this. Well, Sikh, people of the Sikh religion, they have beards, they wear turban. There's many people um, that will wear beards and maybe wear a headdress and not even be religious. But because we there's so many stereotypes that have come out of the fear of, of Muslim people or fear of Islam, that these stereotypes have stuck today. You know, and there's, I think once we get over these stereotypes and talk about these stereotypes and what they mean, we have to be very proactive about that. But when you're dealing with stereotypes, um, it's a very scary thing because stereotypes is what can get uh, people um, killed. It can get people seriously injured. It can get people outcasted um, uh, from society. And a lot of these uh, stereotypes is all in our mind because, for example... Um, I do not wear hijab. I respect hijab. I love Islam. I pray my five times. I do my duties um, as, as every Muslim person supposed to. But I am uh, no perfect example of, of the Islamic faith. I just uh, do uh, my best in my life uh, to be a good heart and good person. And I think uh, people, they don't see that. They see, oh, Muslim. Okay. Mm. Oh, they see, oh, you're a Jew. Mm. You know, and so I think if we, it all boils down to education, it all boils down to education. And, and I think if people take time to just get to know people uh, coming uh, from the Islamic world, because there's so many variations of us, you know, there's, you know, every culture within Islam have their own traditions. So when we look at Islam, as the religion, and when we look at uh, people's cultural traditions, be careful not to cross the two, mm. because people will often uh, bring in uh, their cultural traditions and intermix it with their religious traditions. So we have to be careful because someone in Pakistan has dramatically different uh, cultural traditions than than black Muslims here in America or people in Saudi Arabia have different uh, way than some uh, Muslims in China. 
So we have to be careful um, to not uh, make sure that we don't judge uh, someone based on their cultural heritage or wherever they come from. But we have to make sure that we get to learn uh, about Islam as as the religion, because uh, people they see like Hamas and Daesh and Boko Haram, uh, these terrorist groups, and they say, you know, Khadija, well, they're Muslim too. And I say, uh, well, you know, I leave it to Allah to judge people. We say in Arabic, Allahu Alam, only God knows. Uh, but Islam does not teach us to kill people. Uh, these terrorist groups like Hamas, yeah, they, they kill people. Uh, is this right? This is not right. This is not right. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, when I say these terrorist groups, uh, many people, they look at these terrorist groups as the forefront of being a Muslim. You know, these people are not Muslim. So you have to make sure you consider your source of information. You have to make sure that when you are talking to people, and it's okay to talk to people of different uh, Islamic backgrounds because we are so diverse. My God, we are so diverse. And it's just very important that we educate ourselves from the best uh, source that we can and make sure that we don't intertwine the cultural tradition, someone's cultural traditions with someone with the original religious traditions. Um, I always like to tell people it's okay to, you know, if you see, um, you know, somebody who's Muslim or you see a nice lady in hijab, you know, politely introduce yourself and politely say, I would like to learn more. Um, wow, Muslims are so happy. We are so happy when people, they come to us and say, you know, uh, we really want to learn more. Can you can you tell us more? We really love this way. Um because also the internet can be dangerous because there's many uh, websites out there that not, are not uh, actively ran by uh, Islamic schools or Islamic scholars or people coming from an Islamic school of thought, that there are many uh, sabotaging websites out there that you have to be careful uh, to, if you want to do research, you have to be careful. Um, but we love when people, they come to us and they say, we want to learn. Can you can you teach us? Can you tell us something? Can you help help us learn about your way? And it's okay. It's okay. I just want to let the listeners know it's okay to approach us and ask us politely our, about Islam. We are so happy to answer these questions. We really are. This topic is definitely one of the, uh, in general, like important. Again, it's basically understanding each other in order to avoid uh, this division that we talked uh, through. Because there are so many things today, these days, that kind of tries to to divide us and to split, like, oh, who is from where, who is from those, like, whose group. But even like just starting the. Uh, conversation and dialogue without like assumptions uh, that's super important and especially for if you're talking specifically about like uh, belly dance community like yeah belly dance is maybe not like the let's say the uh, <laughs> obviously not the product of uh, islam uh, islamic religion but it's so like the countries where for for which ones belly dance is a part of culture they are today also Absolutely. so cl closely connected and it's so important to understand and see different 
things that is going on, not only just what is happening in the terms of belly dance itself. Absolutely. And I wanted to make uh, one more point also is that especially dancers that are not familiar with uh, how uh, Islamic uh, culture works, uh, it's a good idea to educate. Uh, the dancers should really educate themselves because, um, you know, every dancer, they want to go to Egypt and they want to study and they want to become big star. They want to dance on the, the boats. And, you know, you really have to learn um uh, the way of the the people and and not all uh, egyptian people are are muslim um but just saying um a lot of these dances comes from uh, areas that they are heavily influenced with islam and so you can't always go to uh, the country and not know how to be respectful and know how to be approaching um you know, to uh, people of Islamic faith, because um, whether people know this or not, um, there's different uh, groups, uh, we call them sects, within Islam. So some are more strict, some are not as strict. So education around uh, the type of groups uh, that maybe be in this area that you want to visit, maybe what to wear, what not to wear, maybe what to say, what not to say. But it's very important as belly dancers that they educate themselves on um, on Islamic uh, uh, traditions and Islamic culture for sure. It's definitely beneficial. Mm, that's definitely well you know i kind of feel that uh i didn't even realize like oh my god it's like an hour already we only scratched <laughs> so like just a couple of things and even within this topics that we talked about i feel like there's so much more to dig in and to keep talking and talking and talking um but in any case i also want to be mindful of like your time and uh, uh <laughs> thank you so much for uh coming and uh sharing uh, and spending time um with us on the podcast and sharing your experience and knowledge and research and uh, before i would uh, ask you our like final closing like uh, traditional questions i just want to ask if there is anything else that you kind of feel like you um may want to share like related to the topics that we talked about something anything else like uh, uh because i know like with all your activities that we like you are doing we only like touch based on this, such a small like <laughs> a part of yeah, it so i just want to to you know like uh, um leave it open for you like if there is anything that you really would love to like uh, share and bring people's uh, dancers attention to to any topic or subject <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I just uh, really want to let the dancers uh, in the community know, uh, don't forget about uh, dancers of the culture. Don't forget about uh, black dancers. Don't forget about us. Um, we have so much to give. We have so much to tell. We have so much to share our experiences. Uh, just don't forget about us. Um, we, we love our culture. We love where we come from. We love what we do. Um, you know, just, you know, invite us in, uh, into, you know, more platforms and invite us into, uh, more for learning opportunities. Um, you know, uh, we often, uh, tend to 
get uh, forgotten about because we have, you know, maybe less popular name or, you know, not in every festival, but we are here and uh, we love to teach and we love people that want to know about our culture, that want to know about what we do and our life and, and our background. We love to um, just just let uh, belly dancers know about us and, and, and where we come from. So, you know, definitely on that note, just uh, the dancers of the world, just don't forget about your dancers of the culture and don't forget, especially your black uh, dancers from the African diaspora. We love this dance and we have a place in this dance and we have so much uh, to offer in this dance. Well, and on this note, I have to ask you also, like, can you share with our listeners where they can find more information about you and your activities? Like, do you have any favorite social media or any other like platforms sure. that you show you share your research and your dance uh, explorations? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I am very active on Facebook um, and uh, I do have uh, my website uh, www.khadijadancer.net. Um, you can find me. Um, I am not on Instagram. Um, I, I know I, I am behind the times on that, but on Facebook, you can find me. Um, you know, uh, you can find me under Khadija Khadija on Facebook. Um, so please uh, send me a message, say hi, uh, email. Uh, you can find me in my website. I am happy to talk to anyone. And I definitely will include uh, links uh, to your website and Facebook page in the show notes. So all our listeners, you know, uh, you always can find direct links uh, and connect with our guests and get more and uh, follow their further activities. And uh, once again, thank you so much for, for your time and uh, sharing your thank knowledge you and inspiration. <laughs> thank you so much. And I would love to sum up with our traditional uh, summary question, closing question that uh, you probably, you may know that I ask <laughs> everyone. It's always uh, cool to hear different uh, answers. And today I will not ask it just about ballet dance. It's like, I will like leave it open to you. But the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance and folkloric uh, dances? again and again so you keep doing them so many years thank you for this question wow i i'm 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 so happy to hear you say this uh for me because i'm such a fan of your podcast and i love to hear the the interpretations and thank you for having me um for me Like I said, it, it, for me, I dance because I don't. I, I, I dance because I don't. I, I don't want to. I dance because I have to. And my dancing helps me keep my culture alive. It helps me to keep um, visibility um, into the into the African diaspora that has been forgotten about. Um, I want to basically be able to. Um, make a way for other dancers that look like me um, to be able to feel welcome, to be able to feel they have something in this dance too. And, uh, you know, to basically keep 
telling uh, the stories, our cultural stories to keep our culture going that has been erased for so many years. So this is what uh, keeps my fire and keeps my inspiration going. There's so many times, Iana, I said to myself, I'm going to quit this dance. I, you know, khalas, I don't, I cannot do this anymore uh, because, you know, in dance we have uh, some politics and I try to stay away. But for me, I cannot uh, stop. Um, you know, one thing uh, before my mother, she passed away. She really enjoyed dancing and she always used to tell me, never give up. If it's something you cannot live one day without, you never give up. You never stop. You have to keep going. You have so many stories to tell. You have to tell your story. You have to. I had a dream about her the other night um, before I make a, a video. Uh, I was recording uh, Cami Little. Uh, she put it in her uh, page and um, and uh, Aubrey Hill, she put it in her page. And my mom, she came to my dream. She said, let your light shine. And I kept hearing this. And so I said, okay, I have to keep, let my le keep letting uh, my light shine. And so this is uh, something that I, I have to do, not because I want to do, because I have to do it because of my culture and where I come from. And for many of uh, the um, African people in the world uh, to see what, what, I, what I'm trying to do and to see that we are a part of this culture also. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guests because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.